Welcome to Comms for Good, your destination for all things social impact communications. Whether you're a comms professional, an avid charity supporter, or just curious, this is the podcast for you. My name is Kenza, and my mission is to enable access to the world of third sector comms and to explore how we can keep up with the online age while staying true to purpose. Enjoy the episode! Thank you for joining me for the season finale of Comms for Good. This episode is unlike any other you've heard this season. For the very first time, I was joined by an incredible live audience of social impact communicators to talk all things community building. I partnered with the Channels Network, a grassroots community which gathers social impact communicators from all over the world to make this happen, and the outcome was brilliant. You're about to hear a great interview with Gabriela Mikovic, co-founder of Channels, alongside the amazing insights of our audience. It's a really special conversation. Enjoy! So, Gabriella, I'm starting every episode of Commons for Good with the same question. What is the best thing that has happened to you recently? I have to say that I've never been a guest on a podcast before, which I'm super excited about. I'm a little bit nervous, um, but I just think it's going to be very, very cool when this episode is out to open up, uh, you know, Spotify or, or whatever app and see my name and face on a podcast. So thank you so much for having me. I'm really, really excited about this opportunity. Oh, well, I am genuinely so excited to have you on the podcast and so many members of the Social Impact Comms community here as well. Um, And this episode is really about digging into how we can build and sustain powerful social impact communities. Community is such a buzzword in communications. You know, we hear terms thrown around all the time like community engagement, building, management, you name it. But at its core, the word community is so subjective. And what I really want to explore today is what it means for social impact and how it can be inclusively and productively leveraged. So I'm going to start by putting this question to you, Gabriella, and I would also love to hear from our audience on this. In a sentence, what does community mean to you? So um, community to me is a group of people who feel a sense of belonging intentionally want to be part of something and that share and create something together. And so there's a lot of different ways. Of course, as you said, it's quite subjective. There's a lot of ways to describe it and online communities versus digital communities um, also differ greatly. But at the core of, of what I hope for the Channels Network is, is that a group of people who feel that they belong and want to share and create together collaboratively. Mm. And if I may also add, uh, because part of your question was about, you know, how we can leverage communities in social impact. So I just wanted to tack on to that a little bit as well, that um, I think communities are, are more than just, you know, having a group of people together, um, but a social impact community actually has the opportunity to amplify impact in, in a few ways. And so um, I think it's, it's really different in that way than like, for example, the, the buzzwords you hear about like a community around a brand or an influencers community, right? Because the social impact community allows 
people who are really passionate about making a change and making a positive impact on the world, it allows them to connect and collaborate on the issues that are most important to them and that they're passionate about. Um, communities provide a platform for sharing information, resources, strategies, you know, best practices from different people who have um, uh, had success with one method in one part of the world, right? An example that comes to mind is, you know, this global community of um, smaller indigenous communities from around the world who are learning, you know, this is what we've, these are the methods that we've used. And, um, you know, our protests for, for the land back movement had this positive outcome and other indigenous communities can learn from that, right? So I think in, in that way, there's so much power Power in, in bringing people together as well. Um, I think communities also uh, can amplify a lot of like underrepresented voices and, and voices that don't necessarily um, always have the, the attention of the global um, social impact space. Because when we group up together, you know, we have the opportunity to bring bring up other voices that are, are more marginalized or less heard. Um, and in that way, you can also bring attention to uh, social impact issues that other people might not have heard about, but that is happening in some, some other part of the world or in some other kind of specific field or a niche in the social impact or development sector. So I think that that's really what sets apart a social impact community is that we really have the opportunity to, to amplify the impact that each of us are doing anyway. Mm -mm, such a great perspective and I love that you highlight the, the kind of intrinsic power of community and its ability to be leveraged in and of itself and I think that word feel that you mentioned at the start of your answer is so important as well um you know I would personally define community as a feeling you know it can't be reduced to a place or a person it has to be something that you wholeheartedly and genuinely believe and and feel um you know communities can be safe spaces they're empowering they're supportive it has to really be a part of your identity so then, Gabriella, which communities do you feel most connected to and why have they been so influential? Um, well, I would have to start off with, is it weird that all, I guess I'm a, a product of COVID times, that all the communities that come to the top of my head now are all online. Um, <laughs> and I think that comes from having moved around a lot in my life and um, not really staying in one place. And, and that's like a whole, I mean, other internal discussion about, you know, me, maybe why I'm so drawn to channels is also me wanting to, to gain a sense of community that I'm kind of missing in some ways. Um, but yeah, a lot of the, the first things that come to mind are, are online and I have to shout out to the Impact Consulting Hub. Um, which is an amazing community uh, started by Loxan and Molly, um, who created this space for social impact consultants. So anybody who's doing freelancing or consulting in the social impact space. And um, one day I just got an email from Loxan saying, hey, somebody just joined the community who's also a communications professional, um, Gabriella, meet Faith. And Literally, we had one talk and the channels network was bored. <laughs> 
So I think that really just shows the absolute immense power of community. Even just one person connecting two people can lead to a two-year-long project that has almost 10,000 followers on LinkedIn and is now being interviewed by this cool podcast, you know? And I think that's just amazing how how those things happen. Um, some other online communities that come to mind are, of course, um, The Bloom. Uh, you interviewed Jasmine today. Um, and I've also recently joined another community called Reconsidered, which is also a social impact community. Um, and yeah, I, I really have found that I connect to all, all of these communities um, because they have social impact at the core. And I think that says a lot about, of course, me and the communities that I seek out. Um, so of course, anybody else's answers might completely different. They might all have communities, you know, related to hobbies like gaming or, or something like that. Um, but at least the, the communities that I'm thinking of have been influential to me because they've actually made an impact. Um, the, the Impact Consulting Hub introduced me to Faith. Um, the Bloom introduced me to a massive amount of social impact practitioners through LinkedIn um, and just showed me how many people are out there who are interested in these things. Um, and Reconsidered is also doing a really great job in, in like a LinkedIn group with being really engaging and asking a lot of questions. So I really feel like my voice is being heard. So in, in different ways, I just feel like a member of something. And, and I think that itself is, is really influential. Mm, absolutely. And those are all such brilliant examples of you know, thriving online communities and the operative word there being online. That's just, it's so, I think, radical now that you can feel belonging without even having met people face to face. It's incredible. And you obviously started channels during the COVID-19 pandemic, um, which was obviously a very tumultuous and isolating time, which was extremely digital by, you know, by nature of it. So what drove you to build this particular community and how have you seen your membership change over the years? Mm -hmm. Great question. So um, when Faith and I met in February of 2021, um, I was also in, in like a three month lockdown of that period. I was living in Vilnius in Lithuania, hadn't seen anybody outside of like the grocery store clerk in like three months. And it was just really lonely and dark and cold. And um, and I met Faith online and something just sparked and we were talking to each other like uh, we at first we were like, oh, we're both communicators. We obviously do the exact same thing. And then she was like, well, I do communications for development, which I studied. And there's this whole theory behind and a whole methodology to to it. And I was like, oh, well, I do, you know, like a lot of more technical stuff like um, social media management and, and copywriting and graphic design. And we just realized like, holy cow, there's a lot more to to community. And we were just like, who else is out there? <laughs> Let's see. And so it really stemmed from just having kind of during COVID the world at your fingertips, it felt like. And I think a lot of us now are so tired of looking at the screen. So shout out to everybody who's here 
Thank you. <laughs> um, but it really came from uh, feeling like, you know, we can reach anybody now. And, and so many people are online and seeking community. Um, and so over the years, it's kind of transitioned to, uh, you know, of course, people going back into offices. Um, but a lot of other stuff has happened, you know, um, this mass, like people being let go, mass amounts of people, quiet quitting and all these other trends that have happened over just say the last year or so. Um, and uh, I think that that has also opened up a big window for us with our job boards, because we're also really providing people something of, of value. Um, and another initiative that we're thinking about starting now is, is more of like a support group online for job seekers. So really it came from, you know, understanding who else is out there and what does communications for social impact mean? And let's meet people who are doing similar stuff to kind of understanding the needs um, of, of the people who are part of the community now. And, and through that understanding, we're kind of we've been focusing more on the job boards and stuff like that. And um, yeah, and so I think it's constantly evolving by by what people need and you need to always be listening for that. Um, I also see Kenza some really interesting inputs in the chat. Tanina is writing about Macmillan's Cancer Support social media community. Uh, Tanina, would you like to uh, unmute yourself and say anything for the actual podcast about this? Yeah, sure. Um, I can have a go. Great. So, yeah, Macmillan Cancer Support is a UK charity, and they're a really good example of a charity that has built a safe space online. So you often see that charities don't really have the support to get back to comments, for example, that people leave. Um, but Macmillan has put a lot of effort and resources into personalizing each comment that they reply back with. And then this has created like a really nice community feel when you open their comments and you can see that people share their cancer stories and then everyone supports each other and people reply to each other in the comment section. It's not just people communicating with the charity and the charity communicating back with them. It's just people communicating with each other. So yeah, I just think it's a really good example um, of a charity that has nailed their online. Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing that. I, I totally agree. And I think you said in your comment as well, the idea of a safe space. And I think that's something that really comes out of a real community where it can almost become self-sustaining because people do feel that safety and the commonalities they have with other people in that community. And, and I think to kind of go back to this kind of digital landscape as well, the world obviously has only grown more digital, I'd argue, uh, during and after the pandemic. And, you know, Gabriella and everyone else on the call, you know, do you think this has helped or hindered community building for social impact organizations? Yeah, um, I think it really depends uh, what goals your, your social impact organization has. Um, if you're, you know, working very, very locally and you needed to reach direct people during COVID, obviously that, that could have been a hindrance. Um, but now I, I think uh, it's also just opened so many doors and so many opportunities and allowed so many people to be connected in so many different ways. Um, Adedoyen, did you have something that you wanted to add? 
Um, yes, thank you so much, Gabriella. I think um, it definitely has had an impact. Um, so similarly to Gabriella, in 2020, I co-founded the Comms Avenue, and we're a community of comms professionals across Africa, um, we're over a thousand. And the thing about that community, when it started, is people that didn't know you know, there's a way that Africa is lumped into one. We in the continent don't even know ourselves. So like the point Gabriella was making, it kind of opened you up. You kind of saw what people are doing in Kenya, in Ghana, in different industries, and you're rubbing minds with people in this space. So I also think it made people more open because if you think before COVID times, if I wanted to access some of the resources that I, I access now, it would have been a bit difficult. I mean, I have to know them in person or reach out to them, but people were more open. I, I think the only downside now is the information overload, the Zoom fatigue, but I think that there definitely was some openness which allowed communities to grow. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Thank you think, so much. Yeah. Um, I also just wanted to, to see if uh, Katajina also wanted to add to that because um, uh, Katajina is, is a certified um, community manager who's worked in uh, big institutions, I'm sure you can also introduce yourself better than I can, but maybe you have some comments on, on digitalization as well. Thank you for calling me out because I was just about to raise my hand regarding the um, my reflection on COVID. I wanted to say that uh, back then when the COVID pandemic started, I was working as a social media manager and community management at the European Parliament. Um, so I have a lot of reflection on how people were connecting online with us. Uh, as the voice of institution, but also with each other when they were looking for information. And I'm closely observing right now what COVID changed in terms of how we interact with each other online. And what I see, um, uh, you can look at this situation from two different perspectives. One is negative, the other is positive. And it opens, as Gabriela said, a lot of different doors. So what I see is, I think personally that COVID um, a bit accelerated the negative trend of loosening offline connection, but there is natural need in people to look for connection with others. So what we do, we go online, even if the pandemic, um, is over <laughs> still the behavior patterns change and people still spend a lot of time online and they look for connection online which is negative because we also need physical contact with with other humans um, but still i feel like it opened a lot of different doors uh, for social impact organizations as well for people working in communities uh, so that's the, the the positive side but i also agree with the previous speaker that at some point there will be also some sort of fatigue simply because we are all the time on screens but from my point of view this is also positive thing that we can open because uh, we we can a new opportunity for us because if we are talking about local communities or local branches or of, of bigger communities we can think how to connect online and offline so how to make sure that people active locally they meet up physically that could also uh, strengthen the sense of connection between uh, between people to reach common goal of, of the community mm, mm, absolutely um thank you so much everyone for your contributions um really interesting to see 
and hear about those perspectives. And I think, as you've just said, it's so important to remember that these things are always nuanced. You know, it's never just better or just worse. Um, And I think it's great to see the goodness in that as well. You know, it can really challenge organisations to work harder and to find ways to make their community building work harder. Um, And, you know, one of the key reasons really why I'm building um, Commons for Good is to shift the narrative around communications that it becomes recognised as the powerful force of change it can be in and of itself. The same can be said about community and community building. It's not just an add-on or a byproduct of social impact work. We can create change simply by being a community. But there still has to be that initial seed, if you will, which allows a community to blossom. And in the online age, what does that seed look like? You know, how do we build meaningful and self-sustaining engagement behind a screen? Great, I can take the first stab, but of course we'd love to hear from from everybody else. Um, uh, The very first step and that kind of seed that I think you're looking for, um, if you could boil it down to just one thing, is that there really should be a need for it. So so that means, it doesn't mean that like, oh, just because another community or, or something exists on this, you can't do it either. But to actually understand what um, the people that you're trying to reach actually want and need, instead of just kind of creating um, something because you have something to say and you're trying to speak to other people. Because um, I really liked what Tonina said about, you know, uh, creating these self-sustaining communities where people actually also speak to each other. And that's a great way to to imagine a community is instead of just, you know, um, some diagram where there's one person speaking to a lot of different people. It's, you know, one person that kind of facilitates it or or a team, of course, and then everybody's speaking to each other, right? And so that's not really going to happen if if people don't feel a connection or feel an interest in what you're doing. So before starting any kind of social impact community, I think you need to to understand what what people want and need from you, uh, listen to to them, and and if there's no need for a community, then there's no need for a community. Or if they need to speak to each other and ask questions and crowdsource answers, maybe that comes in the form of a Facebook group. Or if um, you need some more small group support where people really get to know each other, maybe that comes in the form of um, networking events once a month or something like that. So, So even the form of the community that you're kind of creating all of it needs to come from from listening to your audience, which of course is something that we as communicators are, are always focusing on anyway. So that shouldn't be brand new. Um, is there anybody else who who wants to add anything? Uh, yes, uh, I would like to add something uh, actually to what uh, Gabriela said. Um, I would go even one step further. Instead of looking for the need, I think what is really important is finding the common goal and alignment between your target group, people that you want to reach, and uh, between your organization. It can be social impact organization or any other, or just you working on something. Because if there is this balance between it, so if you want these people to do 
more stuff for you instead of working for the common goal, I feel like sooner or later it will be simply dysfunctional and the community will die. Uh, so community is like one organism. It needs to grow. Even if you are animator, you start it, it needs to go into one direction. If there is this balance, it is not going to work. Um, and the second thing also what Gabriela also touched upon is that um, uh, everything else actually from my point of view is secondary. Very often I am approached and uh, people are asking me, uh, Kasia, where do you think I should start my community? Do you think Slack is a good platform for this? For me, this is completely like secondary thing. If you don't settle uh, down with the goal, what are your expectations towards these people like you want to join? How this community is going to function? Like what sort of content do you want them to share, for instance, if you are planning to go with your community also offline? Then you identify your features, everything that you need, and then you can think of the plat of the platform. If this is Facebook group, it's also good if you align this with the place actually where your target group, uh, these interested people are already active. So if you see that there is a space, for instance, on Facebook, and these people are using mostly Facebook, maybe it doesn't make sense to go to Slack. But as I said, all of that is really secondary. Mm -hmm. And I think it's so important to reflect on the intentionality of your communications and your community building. You know, it's something that I spoke to Jasmine a lot about in the first episode of Commerce for Good. You know, there are so many organisations and people who want to initiate communities who sometimes feel that they must kind of be on every platform all at once to reach the most people. But really you have to always put your target audience first if you want to create a genuine community with meaningful impact. Um, Adedoyan, did you want to come in on that? Yes, thank you, Kenza. Um, Katajana has said a lot of the things that I want to say, but I think it's really important as the person who is starting the community to be very clear on why you are bringing people together. Because if you ask everyone around the room, we all belong to like different communities. So I'm always asking myself, the comms avenue, what are people coming to get? Um, and then you think about how you want to engage. So you bring people together. They may not necessarily start having conversations or they may have conversations that take you off track. I don't know how many of us are in WhatsApp groups or communities and the conversations are like, I thought this community was about, you know, women empowerment. Why are we talking about football here? So it's just been able to direct that and then always having at the back of your mind, what is the value? What, that's where Gabriella spoke about listening because having a community, whatever channel you use, we use Telegram, you can use WhatsApp, you can use Slack, you can use Facebook, but it's these insights and these conversations that people are having in this community gives you data and information that you can say, okay, we see it gap here maybe we can use this information to add value and that's how we've been able to grow our community is to listen to the challenges and see what we can do to close those challenges which then makes the community even more relevant because we're talking about self-sustaining so that value conversation must be um, on, on the top of the burner yeah that's what I wanted to add absolutely you know really fantastic insights thank you and I think something that we've all kind of touched on here is the multiple channels and like I just said the intentionality over where you locate your community building and based on that discussion is social media enough then or does genuine community building which becomes self-sustaining eventually have to grow roots in the real world? I think um, when Adedoyan wrote in the chat earlier 
that uh, it's interesting that communities that were formed primarily online are now also doing in-person meetups and stuff like that. I think that says a lot, just looking at that trend. Um, and, and as Kasha also mentioned, you know, people need some kind of connection in real life. So I think it's natural that if, if you find that, you know, oh, I'm in this online community and there's five of us who are all in the same city, it's natural that you'd want to, to meet up and chat. Um, so I think that because that's something that's natural and because it's something your members uh, might be doing anyway, that they might be interested in, that they might need, that's again, a way of listening, you might also want to, to be facilitating something like that. Um, so kind of meeting your members where, where they are and where they want to be. Um, I think social media has a lot of potential as well. Um, uh, anyway, I don't want to say that, you know, physical is going to completely take over because there's also, especially in social impact communities, so many um, barriers to getting everybody to meet in one place. Um, you know, Channels has uh, several hundred people, you know, in our Google group and LinkedIn groups. We have um, almost 2,000 subscribers on Substack and 10,000 followers on LinkedIn. Um, so I'm sure we could find a few in-person meetups, uh, you know, between everybody. But that's also going to leave out a lot of people. So, uh, especially in the spirit of inclusivity and diversity, it's important that um, it's important for us, at least, to keep maintaining an online presence um, despite all the all the Zoom fatigue. Mm -hmm. Definitely, um, that was really well said. And one of the final things that I want to touch on here is that while I think we can all agree here that communities are extremely powerful and can provide incredible outlets and safe spaces is there a risk that they can become echo chambers you know how do we break out of that and ensure that the communities we build are actually amplifying diverse perspectives mm -hmm. fantastic question um my first thought is that any anything that we're in are part of can become an echo chamber, right? Um, our families, our friend circles, our networks, our uh, classrooms, our employers, right? So anywhere we are, we we have to take intentional steps um, to diversify and be inclusive. Uh, so that's a responsibility that a community manager has to take. And um, I would urge anybody who is part of a community who doesn't feel that there is kind of that um, diversity of voices and perspectives to reach out to the community manager and, and ask what you're doing, because that's part of it being a safe space. Um, and that's part of you contributing something to that community as well, because, right, the, the whole point is not that it's also one person um, shouting at everybody or everybody shouting the same thing it's it's a way to facilitate conversations and and meet people and gain new perspectives so your contribution to a community can be just that mm, absolutely and um i think adadoyan just mentioned in the chat that this is where collaboration comes in um did you want to speak more to that adadoyan yeah, just really adding to um, what Gabriella has said, I really believe in the power of collaboration because, for example, our community, we're majorly based in Africa, but we've heard from people in Europe, in Asia, because, again, you know, best practice, 
having to know what's happening in this climate and how that even impacts us and the work we're doing um, on the continent is also important. So you look out and it has to be intentional. Who is doing what? I can't remember how I connected with Gabriella, but I saw what she was doing. I was like, this is fantastic. you know. And you're like, let's connect. What can we do together? Two of you are here connecting. You've opened um, both your communities to diverse information, diverse perspectives. So really looking out for who is doing what. Um, and that's where LinkedIn is absolutely brilliant. Connect with people outside of your normal network so that when you find people that have interesting content, interesting contribution, you can also invite them into your community or even go and attend some of their events. And I think that that's something that would really help. I think that is a great place for us to bring this discussion to a close. Um, it's been a brilliant conversation and so special to have a live audience taking part. I think this is living proof of the power and value of community. So Gabriella, before we wrap up, I wonder if you could leave us with perhaps your best um, advice or practical tips on how to build a social impact community. Yes, of course. So um, I'm definitely not uh, the biggest, you know, community professional professional there is. Kasha, who's in this call, um, has been working professionally as a community manager for many years. Um, so I definitely suggest following her on LinkedIn for her community management tips. Um, Adedoyan has also been working um, with her community for longer than I have. But from my, um, you know, limited experience working with channels for the last two years, um, I would say uh, for anybody else looking to to build a community, um, first of all, uh, make sure that there's really a need for it because one, you don't want to be duplicating work. Um, and so maybe you can, you know, take your energy and add it onto another project that's happening instead of creating more um, separate communities let's see about how we can bring people together, which is one thing I really love about, you know, Comes for Good and channels working together as well. We said, hey, we're, we're both talking about the same things. Um, let's not, you know, compete or anything like that. Let's see how we can work together. So that's a, that's a definite starting point. Um, I think uh, start small is something I would have told myself two years ago. I was very, you know, ambitious and, um, uh, community takes a lot of work and a lot of time and it's really literally a methodology and it's a there's you know books about it there's online courses about it it's not just something you can jump right into and make an amazing community so um, start small and and constantly be learning um, and of course providing value and this really touches upon um, the first point of seeing what your what people actually genuinely need um, and it's something we talked about earlier in the call as well about like which uh, platform you should be on and all of those things as well but but listen to the people that that you're trying to help um, and see what they need and something that I'm still trying to be better at um, uh, that I, I definitely need to still work on but I'm learning a lot about is how to be more data-driven in the community management. It's something I've learned a lot from Liz at Channels. Um, Elizabeth 
she's taught me a lot. Um, she's a fellow volunteer at the Channels Network, and she's taught me a lot about kind of uh, that side of community management. Um, there's also a lot of resources online for, for which metrics community managers should be looking at, depending on their goals. Um, just like how social media has their own, you know, social media management has its own metrics. Um, marketing has different metrics, all these things community management as well uh, does. So data, looking at the data is something that I'm, I'm trying to be better and learn more about. Brilliant, brilliant tips. Thank you. Um, I really like that combination there between the more data driven approach and also thinking still about the qualitative, you know, what people want and what they're looking for. So a really, really great place to end. Um, thank you so much, Gabriella. I'm ending every episode of Comms for Good with some quick fire questions. Um, as ever, I'd love to invite everyone in the audience to also type their answer in the chat. Um, okay. First question then, what is your favorite social media platform? Oh, um, I have to say LinkedIn because yeah. of the power of community it's given me. Very understandable. And uh, oh, I can see you've got a couple more uh, LinkedIn's in the chat as well. Um, seems to be a popular one for us all here today. Um, okay, second question. Who is one person that inspires you? Oh, that's such a tough question. And I have to say, um, I've been thinking a lot about it because I've listened to the, the other episodes of Comms for Good. And so I was trying to like prep myself a little bit for these, these rapid fire questions. I, I got a bit stressed, but um, uh, I think it's okay. So um, I don't think there's just one person who I can point to right now that inspires me. It has to be, sorry, I'm breaking the, the rule and not answering the question completely, but it has to be the, the team at the Channels Network um, because I absolutely don't think Channels would exist right now if it wasn't for um, my co-founder Faith, if it wasn't for Liz, if it wasn't for Tanya, if it wasn't for Ruth, and if it wasn't for you, Kenza, because at every point in the last two years, there's, there hasn't been a point really where I've just been super confident and known exactly what to do. Um, and at every single one of those points where I've questioned something, um, you know, I've reached out to list and I said, I don't know, um, you know, how, how to keep doing these jobs roundups and, and Liz and Ruth stepped up and they, they helped. And another point where um, I was like, Tanya, I'm struggling with the newsletter. And she's like, let's do it. It's amazing. It's so exciting. I'll help you with it. Let's, let's make a great newsletter. Right. And, um, uh, when I was talking to you before Kenza, I was like, Oh, something I've always wanted to do, but I'm not sure about is the LinkedIn challenge. And you're like, that sounds great. Just do it. You know? And even from the very beginning, um, I was like, Oh, faith, it would be so cool to start something. And she's like, we have to do it. So I, I think I always have kept second guessing myself and, and, not sure what to do. And I've benefited so much from having like-minded people who um, are just like, really, we're so in sync with our vision of where we want things to go and people that we want to help. Um, uh, but still, we're such a diverse group of people with vast different uh, experiences and ideas. So at every point, I've relied on other people for help, and I would absolutely not be here. And so I took your question very literally, who inspires me? And it's literally the people who, you know, I have a conversation with, and I'm like, I don't know how I feel about this. And they're like, that's amazing. Just do it. And, and I'm literally 
inspired from that. And so, yeah, I want to say thank you for everybody who's made the Channels Network possible. Oh, that is such a lovely answer. And again, just speaks so inspiringly to the power of community that we've been speaking about today. So thank you. And it's such a pleasure to support Channels. Okay, final quick fire question. What is one social impact organisation that we should all be paying more attention to? Um, oh my gosh, I really should have been, been more prepared for this. There's so many, so many amazing organisations that I can list. Um, but of course, uh, I'm also kind of freelancing and consulting. Um, so I have to kind of do a little shout out to a project that I'm working on at the moment, uh, which is the Are We Europe Foundation. It is a media foundation that seeks to um, bring a lot of diverse uh, journalistic and media and creative voices together through um, a new kind of format of um uh, solutions-oriented journalism and transmedia and uh, border-breaking uh, kind of methodology. So they're very cool. Incredible. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Um, definitely check that out. Um, so that brings the season finale of Comms for Good to a close. Um, thank you so much everyone who has taken part today and to everyone listening in the future. Um, we hope you enjoyed this episode. It's been a brilliant discussion. Don't forget to follow uh, the channel's network on LinkedIn and Substack. And as always, you can find me at Kenza Asalama on LinkedIn and Twitter. Thank you for listening.